Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, and we're back with Wayne, the man, Jago. Third interview. Third in interview. The, in the guest host seat. Um, what has the experience been like so far? I, one, can't believe I came back for the third one. Um, <laughs> with a special guest, right? spe- Well, I'm actually nervous. This next guest, uh, she should be interviewing us, but that's, well, especially you. I mean, that's the one, but. Us. Um, and where, where is Greg today? Is he Bora Bora? Is he, like, is he dancing with penguins? Where no, is he? No, I think uh, he, he may be in the Yukon. He's in the Yukon. Yeah. Gold? In, 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 no, probably in the, the desert just outside Carcross. He'll know exactly where that is. He'll know where that, I don't, but that'll be, yeah. I'll have to look it up. You'll have to. It is, there is a <laughs> desert up there, believe it or not. I, I, Dave, you know, I can never doubt you. <laughs> um, but thank you for making the trek back into the booth. Um, the long track between interviews and, uh, we got a great guest today and, um, she's going to ask us some questions to get this rolling. I think. <laughs> oh, am she I? Said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Well, actually, first of all, would you introduce yourself and, um, and maybe just, you're, you know Mr. Hemmings a little bit, I right? Do and, Mr. Hemmings, and, and there's yeah. a lot of people listening to this that, that know and love Greg, and, uh, and Greg would be so disappointed if we didn't have some, you know, insert him in, him in here somehow. That a little I bit think, of love? Yeah, a little, a little love. Of love. I think we should yeah. do that. So, um, so who, who are you? What are you about? Tell, I want to learn about uh, Canteen Media and, uh, and how the heck do you know Greg Hemmings? So my name is Deborah Irvin Anderson and not I... Not Debbie. Not Debbie. I've never been a Debbie. <laughs> but a Deb. But a Deb. I am also go by Deb, Deborah, Deborah. And um, I currently run uh, my own company called Canteen Media and Communications. I'm, uh, I, I just turned 40, so I feel like I can use the word veteran journalist because I started when I was in high school working for CBC and spent most of my career working at the CBC in radio across Canada. So I have this very long time that I've been a journalist. So I'm allowed to say I call myself a veteran journalist. Um, And yeah, so I run Canteen Media. I started it last November. And how do I know Greg? Well, I know him because I covered him when I was working at the CBC here in St. John. And I really got to know him at one of our favorite places, which is Spa Chance Harbor, where on New Year's Day for the Polar Dip, I was doing it. I used to have this episode on the morning show here called Deborah Discovers. And I dis- I was discovering the Nordic Spa that is at Chance Harbor mm-hmm. on New Year's Day a few years ago now. And Greg was there. And I knew Greg a little bit, just him coming into the studio. But mm-hmm. you really bond when you're spending time in a sauna with someone and then jumping in the Bay of Fundy. Yes. So um, since then, Greg and I have been pretty good friends. Soulmates. And, and we've been camping together on oh, Gramadan yeah. in terrible weather. But... It was all good. It was okay. all good. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. So, yeah, I could say, you know what? Like in the, in, I was thinking well, you're, uh, you're uh, the, being a veteran, right? And I was thinking, you know, in the NHL, if you played, Nas- you know, the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. you know, you're four seasons in, you're kind of considered a veteran. So I'm guessing, and I might be wrong on that. Maybe it's six seasons. I don't know, actually. But, you know, when you get to the 20 plus range, oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> you could say grizzled veteran. <laughs> well, when you start thinking about, 
the um, new journalists that come into the industry as and you start kind of telling war stories and things like that, you, you know, you've been around for a while. Like when I when I was at journalism school, I was actually the last um, class at King's College to learn how to edit audio tape on ah, big reel-to-reel machines. Right. And two months later, when I was at the CBC to do my internship, they were no longer using that technology. They had switched over to digital technology by that point. Wow. So none of the students that came after me learned how to do that, learned how to actually take these giant rolls of tape, what, whatever it's made out of, and then use razor blades to cut your sound and have to tape it back together. So and, did you ever actually use that skill? Yes, that, I had to use it at King's. So oh. I made like short mini documentaries using really? that skill. <laughs> And you do not look old enough to. I'm. Um, I'm wondering. Yeah. Did she start when she was like four? Yeah. Five? No, what happened? No, no, but, there? And, no. But really, like, it's as I'm listening. I'm thinking, you know, because like, you can expect someone like that looks a little older to have that experience. So that's Are you so saying that's, she should be grizzled. Grizzled. <laughs> the look. Should yeah. Be grizzled? The look should be grizzled. It's oh. funny. I've done a lot of things over my career, mm. at, and yet the stress does not show. So it's it's good. You're doing something it's, right. I'm doing something I gotta. Right. I gotta learn. I okay, need that. Tell us about that. <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> How does the stress not show? Um, what would be the you know in that um, you know time and you you know sounds like a, a lot of experience with CBC, which is a Canadian Broadcasting Corporation for our American right. or European listeners, which is the NPR of Canada. Yes, yes, yes. Which is uh, uh, an institution. It kind of feels like it's slowly being dismantled in a way, you know. And hopefully that's not the case. Um, but but that aside, you know, if you if you were to say you know. Here's the one uh, or two amazing experiences I had, you know, like just something that would kind of, I don't know, that, that, was, that just resonates with you to this day. It's not hard to pick. Okay. It was my time that I spent in Prince George, B.C., where I was hired. I was 25 at the time, and I was the youngest morning show producer in the country. And I was working in northern B.C., which is, I don't know if either of you have been to northern B.C., but it's a lot like St. John <laughs> in that there Prince were pulp George mills, yep. pulp mills it has a funny, and has a certain smell. refineries. Oh, it smells you, just when you, like when home. You, when you fly in. Yep. Yeah. And when actually, I remember driving in on the highway and you can smell it before you see it. And it felt just like being home because I grew up on the Lower West Side before the scrubbers were put on the refinery here. Ah. And it's what St. John smelled like when I was five years old. Right. And Prince George still smelled like that. And while I was there, <laughs> it was the best part of my experience at the CBC for so many reasons. But one of the biggest reasons was that we had a lot of autonomy. We were sort of these, these, I was in charge of two bureaus, Prince Rupert and Prince George. I had a very small team that I was leading and we were the bottom of the ratings pile. We were fifth out of sixth. The only thing that was sixth was radio two. And I came in and I said, that's just wrong. Like CBC should be at the top of the pile. We would never be at the top while I was there because the country station was just too strong. But within a year, we had turned it around and we had gotten the morning show to go from number five and we were number two. Wow. And how we did that was really hard work around identifying with our audience and identifying who our audience was and reaching out and doing really grassroots things and looking at our programming and being this really tight-knit team, all striving for that same goal. It was everything the CBC should be around connecting to Canadians, reflecting Canadians. And it felt great. And I look at that and hands down, 
that is the best part of my experience at the CPC. Wow. Yeah, and you know, the way it, it's funny because I, I um, grew up on a steady diet of CBC, you know, like it would be playing in the morning in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking my parents now. Mm-hmm. And still to this day when I go and visit them, and they, I'm from Whitehorse, Yukon, by mm-hmm. the way. So uh, not just, so north yeah, of Prince just George. North. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, it would be, um, well, it would be six o'clock evening news and all, you know, I guess that was CBC television, but because that was on as well. And then you'd have, as it happens, is a staple, you know, 630. Mm. Um, so anyways, for people that that are familiar with it, I mean, and there's all those wonderful, like a Peter Zosky was in our house. Yeah. Like we kind of knew him almost, right? Like it felt like it because mm. every morning, as, yeah. I guess it was it as it happened. Or no, what was it? What was his uh, show? Do you remember? It was... Um... Isn't that funny? Morningside. 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 Yes. Yeah. So uh, very cool. Well, um, so Wayne knows to jump in at any point, at any time, to because otherwise um, I have this habit of just hugging. Just, yes. Yeah. Hugging. Oh, there's no question. Hugging. Is this where you can say how much you hate the CBC? Uh, hugging and, and hugging. yeah, make it controversial. <laughs> no, actually, it's a waste of taxpayers' money. <laughs> uh, no, 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 okay. not at all. Uh, it's actually, uh, I did a little bit of research uh, before uh, this episode, obviously, and uh, it's interesting as you were telling that story, uh, CBC being a traditional media company. Now, what's interesting, one of the services that you offer is media training. However, media training, not in the sense of traditional media training. So could you kind of share what and how and, and a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd love to. <laughs> um, well, this is something that came up a while ago. Um, my sister had actually was working um, in a business in Fredericton and had gone to a media training session. And I remember I was on mat leave. I've got three kids. and It was my first mat leave. And she called me up and she said, oh, my God you have to start a media training business. And I said, I'm on mat leave. I was the executive producer of the station here at the time. I had a good job with yeah. the CBC. How I wasn't, old was this, by the way? About, um, my son's 11 now, so about 10, 11 years ago. She said, I just went to this media training session and I didn't learn anything. And I know that if you were there, I would have learned something. Partially because my personality is to kind of tell all. I'm, a, I'm an open book. Um, I'm big on kind of lifting that veil uh, around how journalists really work. And one of the things that I've realized over the years is that traditional media training is very traditional. And it's really about that relationship. It teaches a lot about a relationship around a journalist and its subject. And it only kind of goes that far. It can often be very frustrating for journalists and it can be very nerve wracking for the subject because a lot of what is taught is around how to control the message and keep your message clear and stay on track and bridge to the next message. This is as a journalist or as the interviewee? As the interviewee. So okay. what what, oh, I see what traditional yeah, 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 PR gotcha. and communications yeah. right. um, professionals kind of teach. And there is a place for that. And the place for that is especially in crisis communications where something bad happens and you yeah. need to say the right thing. Clear and concise. But often that is not what journalism is about. And what current affairs is about and what is needed by the journalist. But also, I talked about this just a minute ago, my favorite thing is to work with audiences and to think about audiences and to think about what do audiences need and want. And you're sitting there in Whitehorse and thinking about Peter Zosky and what did Peter Zosky's audience need from him? And he was really good at delivering really great stuff to his audience. Mm -hmm. And so my non-traditional media training talks about 
the needs of traditional media, but it goes beyond that relationship of just subject and journalist and looks at the bigger picture and looks at the audience and how do you behave with a journalist in a way that actually reaches your audience. Mm. And the idea that you need to control an interview is a really dated idea in the current media landscape, especially with digital media making deadlines a very different thing. In in the 20 years that I've been working as a journalist, it's a whole new kettle of fish compared to 20 years ago because of social media, because of digital media. Deadlines are out the window. It used to be very clear and concise with print editions and with radio and with TV when we had to hit those markers every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist. It really doesn't. Because of that, it changes how you need to talk to a journalist, how you need to think when you're talking to a journalist, but also how you think about your audience, which is really what you should be thinking about. Well, I will attest she practices what she preaches. To the listeners out there, before the podcast started, Deb was taking selfies and making sure Dave looked good, which was hard, but (laughs) she got it to happen. His hair was all in place. It was all in place, but yet she was Uh, thinking about, yeah, she was thinking about her audience. And so isn't that interesting that she's practicing? Now, you don't have your camera out. You're not taking pictures of anything, Dave. Why? Because Deb's going to send me her pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, good question. Well, I, I love the idea. You know what? It's funny you said I never really thought about it. Mm. Um, this idea of like controlling the message. And I'm thinking of the media, some of the media training or I would have exposed to. And it was around that. And it, it does feel inauthentic, right? Mm. And it feels scripted. And, and I'll tell you, if there's one area I'm not, uh, I've, uh, you know, one of my glaring weaknesses is when it has to be highly scripted. Because it's just not me, you it's know? It's not you, yeah. And I've just had And do you know who knows that? Who? Your audience. Yeah. That's who knows it. They they can tell. you. I've, I mean, I've conducted thousands of interviews over my <laughs> career. And you can tell who's had media training, too much of it, who's had some of it and is and has integrated it and accepted it and kind of made it their own, who's had none of it and maybe mm. should have some of it. Mm-hmm. And that is really where I am coming from, is that I've seen this need Mm -hmm. and heard about a need Mm -hmm. and felt like there's something that I can share. Who are your customers? Who are are the customers that should be reaching out to you? How's that? Well, ideally, who I would like to work with, uh, my ideal customer, my ideal client um, that I'd like to collaborate with are entrepreneurs. Mm. What What do entrepreneurs need? You're talking to two right now. They need to share their story. It really baffles me how many entrepreneurs have really amazing stories. That that is really the goal of any journalist is to get amazing stories. Mm -hmm. We need good content. Mm -hmm. And how often entrepreneurs, they spend all this money and all this hard work building their core business, you know, what, whatever widget it is they're doing, whether it's a consultancy, whether it is an actual widget, whether it's software, whatever their product is. Mm. And they spend tons of time, um, you know, pitching investors and uh, creating the product and ideation and all of that. And then they don't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And it baffles me because that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be telling your story. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's lots of marketing firms out there that that's what they talk about. It's all like it's sort of a buzzword. It's very, you know, share your story, share your story. But I'm not talking about sharing your story in a marketing kind of way. I'm like, I'm all about the using media, traditional media, social media, networking, all of the different audiences in your life. Because when I talk about audience, I'm not just talking about traditional media audience. I'm talking about up in the kitchen a minute ago. You guys were my audience. And Mm -hmm. I thought about that 
before I talk to you mm-hmm. about how I would talk to you and what I would talk to you about and mm-hmm. what how I share things. I'm constantly thinking about who's my audience. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. And and I find entrepreneurs, they spend so much hard work <laughs> oh, I, I, doing their yeah. core business and yet don't take that one last step. Who, who do you think, um, like, I agree, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I agree to the extent that I have a column in the provincial newspaper helping share stories of entrepreneurs like Wayne Jago and others, right? Because, and you know, it was interesting. It was when I first described it, the, the, the business editor at the time said, who's become a very good friend and a big supporter, initially said, you know, Dave, geez, people won't want to share their stories. And I thought, you know what? I disagree. I think they will. It's just, they want to know you taking care with the story and you want to keep their voice intact and you want, you know, like, and not coming and, and they're, and, and, and I found that people are, and cause I'm not a journalist, but people were suspicious. They would, you know, and I, you know, I remember interviewing yeah. a, a high profile politician who kept on saying, well, I'll give you a scoop. And I'm like, well, I'm not a journalist. I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I know what that means, but I don't know what it means. It means nothing to me in terms of what, you know. Um, and yet um, what I found really interesting is that was that when people started sharing their story in a format that was comfortable for them, you know, you can tell a pretty neat story, yeah. um, but it's, it's being underutilized. And that's a traditional form, but it's, try, it's trying to keep their voice intact. Like, does Well, make- and there's a tough thing, too, in that traditional media has often steered away and been adverse to business stories for a bunch of different reasons. Journalists are nervous around business stories for conflict of interest reasons. They don't want to feel like they're just being promoting, uh, you know, promotion vehicles for a business. Um, And what's wrong with that? Well, because they have advertising. Right, they need to think about advertising. They actually well, charge that, oh, people. I mean, oh, the, the, pa- <laughs> so, the paper does not the journalist. Yeah, the, the media exactly. Yeah. So there's a business model, right? So mm. so why you know why would you you know the whole milk and cow thing, right? So why would a why would a publication do a glowing promotional piece when they could be charging that business for advertising? Is sort of if you look at it in a really simplistic way, mm-hmm. um, and that cropped up when I remember butting heads many times with my editor around saying, I think this is a great story and I think we should cover this. And it being told, no, that's just a business story. We don't promote, we don't do business stories. We don't promote businesses, mm. Mm. even though it wasn't. And what's great is that I'm actually noticing, especially in, in local news lately, that they have realized that that is a really closed-minded kind of way of thinking about those stories and that you're seeing a lot more stories um, that are being picked up that are not promotional necessarily celebratory often that there are angles to a business story that should be shared because maybe it's an innovative concept or maybe it's a really interesting character or all the other things that make for good storytelling and what is heartening to me um, is that because I'm seeing that being picked up and editors saying yes it is opening up the door for entrepreneurs to be able to share their story now one of the things that I can do is help identify what stories actually get picked up? Like, what is the interesting angle in an entrepreneur's story? Because it's it's not always, you know, this widget. Because maybe it's like how you got to make the widget. Right, right. Or how your grandfather inspired the widget. Right. Or maybe it's because you're just like a crazy person and that's an interesting <laughs> story, right? There, Or maybe yeah. it's because you had to partner with somebody in a far off land or somebody else is using it somewhere else. Like That's a story. Those, that, and so that is what I understand. You know, to me, it comes innately. I, I walk around the world like I, I could do a show about this room. Like I, I look, I look around and I see it's stories everywhere. Room. It's a very interesting room. <laughs> I've been in this room many times. Doing yeah, voiceover that's work. what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> so. uh, I. It's interesting. Um, 
you, where you where you're talking, and I immediately think back to you saying about entrepreneurs. They're they're so focused on their widgets and business, and they're in the trenches, so to speak. They're deep into it, uh, but they got to step out a bit and say, "Okay, wait, we we really need to be thinking about our story." Now you are now, so to speak, a new entrepreneur yourself. I am. So how do you balance that when you know there's deadlines and X and Y on the business side of things, but yet how do you, how do you, what advice maybe I should be asking you as uh, entrepreneurs when they're in the trenches, how to step back? I don't know. (laughs) Do you know what? And there, I've just taken my own advice again, because I have, I always say, don't bridge (laughs) to another question, answer the question honestly. Yeah. I'm as guilty as any other entrepreneur at this point because I'm so new in it. Yeah, having a hard time. But, but can I can I say that that is by the way that's very honest that's and, that's, just and say. that's completely okay. Yeah, yeah. because here's here's a really in my opinion in my yeah. humble opinion I would say I could say I'm a I'm a relatively grizzled entrepreneur because I've been at it for a number of years right mm. uh, not only because I'm a little older but um, so but you know it's like it's like this so when we're out. Um, uh, promoting or educating coaching services, um, I often remind people or tell people that, um, you know, beware of the coach who has no coach. And someone say, well, you need a coach? I say, well, geez, everyone can benefit from a coach. Why would I not benefit from a coach? So, you know, just because mm. you are a coach, like, you know, yeah. when, when you're in your own head and you're in your own world, it's hard to get out of your own way sometimes. And I don't care who you are, you know, and and it's it's easier because you're you're not as objective when it's you, yeah. you know, mm. and that's why it's valuable to to have Deb come in and support pulling a story. But but that's why you need a Deb to probably support you on your story, right? Because yes. it's hard to it's hard to do the self. It piece, is right. And would it, that be fair? Absolutely. And I guess one of the pieces of advice I would have is around. Uh, so I'm really lucky because my network of close people that I collaborate with are all a bunch of externalists and PR people who are all running their own business. So I guess the answer to that is I do when it comes to um, different marketing things, um, you use them and pull them in. The tough thing too, because I'm so early on, you know, I'm not making tons of bucks yet, Mm. uh, is around knowing what I need to farm out and what I should take care of myself. Yeah. And this is one of those things, and the communications are a tough one. I had a recent conversation with an old friend from high school who uh, work, works at a tech startup in Ottawa. And we had a really good conversation. And, you know, he has an amazing story. Like, an amazing... I was drooling. I was like, oh, my God, this is such a good story. Please, let me help you share this story. And he, and he said, you know, I don't really see the ROI. And I get that. I know. This is one of those awkward business words I hate as a journalist because I hate jargon. And I know that ROI is one of those things that entrepreneurs need to be thinking about. And the tough thing about what I can offer is it's it's intangible in some ways. Like I can't, I can't guarantee when I pitch your story to someone that I'm going to get coverage. I can try really hard. I can pitch it a bunch of different ways. And even if I get you coverage... I'm not necessarily sure how that's going to pan out because I can I can definitely help you leverage it. And I can tell you how to like manipulate it and what to do with it after and how to pitch a follow up and all those kinds of things. <laughs> but does that translate into dollars? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What I do know is that getting into traditional media helps legitimize your business. And even if you are somewhere on that supply chain where, you know, you may not be customer facing, but three steps down the ladder, mm-hmm. your widget is does need to have consumer interest in it, traditional media helps a whole lot in that. Because if nobody knows that you exist, nobody knows you exist. Well, you think of fake news, real news, right? I mean, 
there is something to be said, uh, CBC or traditional, at least, uh, you know, it's, it's there and people believe it. You know, they believe it then as opposed to things socially, what's real, what's not, you know? Well, and, and I don't think, I'm just getting my personal opinion on this. I don't think you have to dig too hard or be too progressive to figure out the benefit of telling a good story yeah. and the benefit can be to your company, right? And I get so frustrated yeah. with this conversation because um, there are so many strong, strong businesses that are crappy at uh, business development and sharing their story. And we could all be better, but, but you know, just like I had, I had a, uh, uh, and if he's listening, he'll know who he is, but, you know, saying to me, <laughs> you know, how much would you spend on, you know, kind of rebranding a website? Would you spend three or four grand? I'm like, <laughs> at least... You know what I mean? Like seriously, yeah. like this mm. is this is your image that you're portraying. Come on, man! And we had we had a good, you know, heartfelt discussion about it because I said, well, how much would you spend on, um, you know, revamping X, Y, or Z? Um, well, this, this, and that, or you know, and well, why wouldn't you spend the money to rebrand and 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 present, you know, and and get your message clean and tight and clear so people know what you're about? And mm. like, it just is shocking to me. And um, so there's just a massive opportunity, is my point, you know, and and that people to to probably probably to educate people on why there is a good return on the investment in in uh, canteen or any other, you know, in, in, in that type of mm-hmm. um, effort to share a story. And especially with, I worked for a brief stint at a, a startup here in St. John. And the value of getting your message out in traditional media to potential investors is huge. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me how many startups don't think of that. Um, I know the startup world can be very tight-knit and very, you know, your head is down, you're working really hard. But having that bigger audience, and that's what I talk about once again with audience, is that your audience, sometimes it is broadcasting. Sometimes it is the whole public. But Mm. sometimes it's some very specific people. Mm -hmm. But you need to use broadcasting in order to reach those very specific people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people forget about that. We only have a couple minutes left. Um, How do people reach you? Because there's gonna there's gonna be no, there will be. I would love go, to hear from sense. people. Yes. I I so far I mean I just started in November and I've done work all over the place from I've, the states at west cool. all over the place. So um, you can reach me on my website, which is canteen dot media. So c a n t e e n dot media. You can reach me via email, which is deborah d e b o r a h at canteen dot media. Perfect. So I hope people reach out. I actually oh, want to, and if we have more time, well, I know I have um, another reason we need to connect because on the PR side, I, I would really like to dig into your knowledge on 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 that, okay, on yeah. a personal level um, or from, you know, kind of where we are in business. Yeah. And um, um, anything, any final thoughts? By the way, I think people should go to canteen.media to find out how and why it is called Canteen. No, I'll leave that for. Did you read the story? Oh, it's Beautiful. a great story. Let's leave that. Let's yeah, leave that cliffhanger story. then. That, yeah, it is a good it. cliffhanger. And do you know what? It was. It, it was a controversial choice. It was a great choice. It, thank you. Thank so you. So, can you watch your Google Analytics after this comes uh, out and see if there's a spike? Okay, because <laughs> then we can talk about the return on investment of this right. show. Okay, so go. we're getting we're getting the two minute warning from 
Wayne too. Wayne too. Thank Amanda. you for having me on. Having... I oh, it's this great. is quite yeah. nerve wracking. I am really used to being the person asking, asking the questions and not <laughs> answering the questions. Well, and... you know what? I got an email from Deborah, and and of course I wrote a really beautiful email back. Sure saying, you Don't did. Relax. Sure you the did. reality is, she comes in, she goes, "I felt worse when I read your email." Back. <laughs> but do you know, I was following my own advice. I would always tell any client that they should try to know what the expectations are from the person interviewing them. And what did I give you? Nothing. You told me to have fun. Goose egg. Well, <laughs> was there. It fun? Yes, well, that's it. Was it. Fun. Okay. it was fun. Expectations met. <laughs> yes. And do you know go. what? For the boiling point, I expected it to be super hot in here, and it's well, perfectly there, fine. There's a, there's, a, there's a story behind that. that they've that, milked this. Excuse me. They've milked this so for ever, and I think it's a sympathy play. <laughs> I really do. This is luxury. I yeah, mean, I know. We do have luxury now. Takeaways uh, from our conversation with Deb. Takeaway: the big one for me was early on was that. As an entrepreneur, she saw a void, a need, and through her family, her network, um, you know, you should really help. You should do this. I know you'd be great at da 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 da. And she came in and filling that void, something that people need, entrepreneurs need. I'm a big fan of anyone um, who can help an entrepreneur tell a story, and I agree. There's a big, massive yeah. need there, and um, and to. To, to have a grizzled veteran <laughs> journalist come in and support you who's, who's lived in Prince George, <laughs> British Columbia, uh, I think is a good idea. So, um, no, it just, no it's, it's just another take on, on the importance of um, telling, telling your story in a way that makes sense and getting, getting someone in who's got that experience to help you tell your story. And that, you know, for every entrepreneur, we got so many different stories and it's just trying to find the right one. Mm. Thanks, Wayne. No, it's great being here again. Will you come next week? Yeah, I think I, I don't have anything to do. Are you going to wear the same shirt? Uh, no, I actually have two in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.